Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the House of the Lord today. <clears throat> Christmas is uh, is almost here, and uh, and man, we have so many reasons to celebrate, so many reasons to get excited for, and this is what we're celebrating. We're celebrating that there were over three hundred prophecies in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And there's about maybe 600 to 700 years before the birth of Christ during the time of Isaiah, King Ahaz, he's unable to trust in the promise of God. There was a a problem in the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom, they were forming this alliance with Syria. And the plan for the northern kingdom was they were going to come down south and they were going to conquer Judah and and just take control of of the land. And uh, King Ahaz, he hears about this, but Isaiah goes to him and Isaiah says, hey, listen, you you don't have anything to worry about. God's got this. But instead of trusting in God, he forms an alliance with the Assyrians, and he, he uses gold and he uses silver from the temple to pay the Assyrians to form this alliance to conquer the northern kingdom. And so the Assyrians are like, yeah, we'll help you, right? And so they go up to the north and they conquer the north, and the Assyrians continue south. And they conquered King Ahaz, and they conquered Judah. And all of a sudden, the people of Israel are in this dark and gloomy and terrible time. And this is what's happening during the time of Isaiah when he begins to speak to the people. And and he says something really important. And I think that this is something that somebody here needs to, to hear this morning. The gloom won't last forever. Like in the middle of the, this dark time that we're experiencing, there is still something to hope for. In the middle of the darkness, there is going to be a time when God is going to send this incredible light to penetrate the darkness. And there's going to be a time when we're going to say that there's a child who's going to be born to us. And and a son is going to be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And what's that last one? And the Prince of, the Prince of Peace. Not, not the Prince of Chaos. Not, not the Prince of Destruction. He will be known as the Prince of Peace. So I want to ask you this question this morning. Do you know the Prince of Peace? You can experience peace in your life, right? You can experience tranquility by getting away to the mountains in New Hampshire. When the doctor 
gives you this report, and maybe you're worried about something, you go to the doctor, but, but he gives you a good report. Man, you can, you can have some peace about that. When your bank balance is really good, it's in the positive, things are going well, you don't have to worry about your bills, and you can have a peace about that. When people in your family aren't fighting today, there's a little bit of peace in the home. But those things are logical explanations to the peace that you might have. But my question for you this morning is, do you have illogical peace? Like when the bank balance looks bad, but you tithe and you give to missions anyways, and you have a peace that God is going to provide for you. Or when you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you this bad report, but you have this peace. When you don't understand what's going on in your life at this time, and for all intents and purposes, you should have given up all hope and given up all faith, but instead you decided to stay with Jesus, and because you stand firm with Jesus, you have this illogical peace. Do, do you have that illogical peace this morning? This is a peace that can't be manufactured. This, this is a peace that you can't buy. You can't retreat to find this kind of peace. Do you have illogical peace? Paul, Paul calls it this. He says, it's the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. It surpasses all understanding. And it's this peace that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we learned that this word guard in Greek is this military term that means to surround and, and protect the city. Philippian, the Philippians understood this term because they had Roman guards within the city who kept watch guarding the city from any type of attack that would come from the outside. And so do you have the peace of God that, that surpasses logic, that surpasses all understanding, that surpasses comprehension? Do you have this peace of God that serves as a protecting army that surrounds your heart and your mind? Here are the Philippians, and, and they're facing persecution from the people around them. And Paul says, listen, guys, don't worry. Don't worry about the persecution that, that you're dealing with right now. Don't worry because the Lord is near. Don't worry because Jesus is coming soon. He says, listen, don't worry because you stand firm on who Jesus is. Jesus has got you. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me this morning to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 onwards. Philippians 4, 8, it starts off by saying, finally, brethren. All right, let's just pause here for a second. When Paul says finally, all of us should get a little bit excited because it means finally 
Pastor Rennie is about to finish our series on unexpected joy and the book of Philippians. And all of God's people said, amen. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things or think about these things. Uh, does anyone want to guess how many thoughts run through your mind every day? Somebody, anyone. 20, did you say 5,000? 5, Close. 6,000, 4,000? Okay, there are 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts that run through your mind. I don't know who comes up with this. What is your thought life like? I mean, when you're not around your Glad Tidings family, what do you think about? There was uh, this challenge that was given to these 15 prominent professors uh, from this one college. And this was their challenge. If you took all of the books on what motivates a person to do something, if all of those books were condensed into one statement, what would that statement be? And this is what they came up with. What the mind attends to, it considers. What the mind does not attend to, it dismisses. What the mind attends to continually, it believes. And what the mind believes, it eventually does. There's this direct correlation with thinking and doing. And advertisers do their best to help you think a certain way, right? Think about their product. Think about their slogan. Think about their brand. And if you can think about their slogan and their brand and their product, then you'll consider, right? You'll just, you'll consider for a moment about opening up your wallet and spending your money. Here's a couple of examples. KFC is what? Finger licking good. M&M's melts in your mouth, not in your hand. There's one person that believes. All right, here's one. McDonald's has a slogan. I'm, I'm loving it. And so if you and I are bombarded with ads every single day, your mind will continually attend to something and eventually believe it. Guess how many ads we're bombarded with? That was close. 5,000. 5,000 ads. That was a 2007 stat. And a lot of people think that that's doubled since then. Advertisers know that what you filled your mind with, you'll consider. And for years, people have said that you are what you think. And Paul knew that what we put into our minds determines what comes out. 
So I want to ask you this question in dealing with all of that. If I asked every one of you here this morning to take your phone out, to unlock your phone, and pass it to the person on the left, what would your neighbor find? I mean, would they find texts that are full of truth and grace and love? Or would they find information that's negative and gossipy and destructive? Would they find things that are noble and right and pure and lovely and commendable and virtuous and praiseworthy? Or would they find garbage? If the same person looked at your playlist, what sort of music would they find? Music that is full of the truth of who God is. Music that is right and pure and virtuous and praiseworthy. Or will they find something else? And some of you are thinking, well, hey, pastor, you don't understand. I just, I just like the beat, right? Well, I just like the lick. I just, I just like the hook. I'm not in it for the lyrics. And I'll tell you, I've been a musician for a long time now, decades now. And I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. But if the enemy can get your mind to attend to something continually, you are setting yourself up to at least consider and entertain the garbage that's being sung about. In other words, garbage in, garbage out. What you fill your mind with eventually comes back to bite you. I just want to talk to you about music for a second. Music is, is one of our passions, especially for me and Smither. That's our passion. And I want to talk to you about something pretty serious with today's music culture. If you have any song in your playlist that refer to a woman or to women as whores or the B word, you are considering the idea that that's what all women are. And if you continually fill your mind with these lyrics, eventually you're going to believe it. You know, there's, there's a lot of, especially hip-hop culture, rap culture, that uses the N-word. And, uh, you know, earlier this week I asked Dr. Eza, to help me understand the problem with this word. This is, this is what we were talking about. And he said, the N-word carries hatred and disgust that's directed towards black Africans and African Americans. And even though all blacks understand it, the word continues to endure because there is still a strong racial divide. And because even the people it insults sometimes use it to refer to themselves. And so when blacks use it, I see that as arising from either a cycle of self-disrespect and hatred or sheer ignorance of the connotation of the word. But if everyone, no matter what color, would understand that the N-word is an ultimate expression of prejudice and denigration of the black race, no one would ever use that word under any circumstance. 
Certainly no one who believes that all men are created equal by the same God should never use the N-word to refer to any of God's creation. Amen? So I have homework for you tonight. And it's pretty simple. Examine your playlist. Examine the music that you're listening to. Imagine, uh, examine the books that you're reading. Examine the movies that you're watching. And if anything has the B word or refers to a woman as a whore, or if you have music with the N word, I'm asking that you delete it by midnight tonight. <laughs> and some of you may not have anything to listen to, and that's okay. We've never been in a situation where there is so much good Christian alternatives to whatever it is that you're listening to. This is a big deal. If you think, hey, pastor, this really isn't a big deal. I can handle this. I want you to know, no, you can't. But by getting rid of this music from your thought life, you're saying, I will not treat black people less than. And you were saying that I will not treat women less than. And you were saying that I will not treat women like objects. And you will begin to honor women. And you will begin to honor Africans. And you will begin to honor African Americans. And if you're black and you get rid of these songs, you'll begin to break the cycle of disrespect and hatred. And you will begin to think and therefore believe that nobody is less than because the same Jesus who died for me died for you. Paul is telling us, program your minds with thoughts that are true and noble, and right, and pure, and lovely, and commendable, and virtuous, and praiseworthy. And verse 9, and if we keep on doing these things, these things that Paul modeled himself, then the God of peace will be with you. Paul first says, think. And then he says in verse 9, now put all those things into practice. Paul knew that our thinking and our actions go hand in hand. And Paul is saying that if we would get our thinking right and start doing what we talked about during these last few months as we went through the book of Philippians, through all of these lessons in this book, then we would experience the God of peace. There's a lot of people who try to find peace without having anything to do with Jesus. And I'll let you know that, that it can't be done. You can read about this piece. You can talk to others about this illogical piece. But you will never know this piece without knowing Jesus. The source of this kind of peace isn't going to be in a vacation. The source of this peace isn't going to come with a raise. The source of this peace isn't going to come in a new 
relationship. But the source of peace can only come by knowing the Prince of Peace. Do you know that illogical peace this morning? Do you know the Prince of Peace this morning? There's some people here this morning who you've asked Jesus into your heart and life and you love him, but right now you don't have peace. And maybe you're plagued with negative thoughts and negative thinking. And maybe you're plagued with these horrible, terrible dreams and dealing with great anxiety and depression. And maybe you're in the wrong circle of friends if all the conversation is all gossip. And I want to ask you, have you examined your thought life? What does what your thought life look like? What images are bombarding your life right now? What, what thoughts are you considering? Have you taken the time to examine what you're putting into your mind through TV and through books and music and movies and conversations and social media? Have you, have you taken that time to examine? We'll close with this last section this morning. Verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In, every, in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And here's the secret, verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul tells us a, a little bit about his past, and he's experienced these great highs and these great lows, and, and, and he's had plenty, and he's had very little, and, and, and he's had, he's had a, a stomach full of food, and he's gone starving in his past. And he's learned the secret to being content. What's your attitude like? I mean, as we begin to close out this year, is your attitude more like, Lord, I just need more? And if that's you, I mean, what do you, what do you feel you need more of? A bigger car, a bigger home, a better job, a better husband? Uh, maybe then you'll be happy, Right? I, I know people with a lot of money who are never satisfied. I know people who have had next to nothing who are the most joyous people I've ever met in my life. Are you content with what God has given you? This book is a book filled with joy, but joy comes from you being content being content with the home that you have, being content with the job that he's given you? Are you content with the ministry that he has assigned you with? Or are you discontented this morning? Are you discontented because you don't have what you want? Paul says he knew how to be content, whether he had plenty, whether he had little, whether he was free, whether he faced death. He says that he discovered this secret the secret to being content, he says, I can do all things through him 
who gives me strength. I love this verse. And it's one of the most misquoted verses of all time. Some people think this means that I could do anything I want to because I love Jesus. As though God is going to give you this superhuman ability to do whatever you can imagine. That's not what Paul is saying. As you follow Jesus, there will be troubles. There will be hardships. There's going to be heartache and pain and pressure. And your bank account isn't going to give you contentment. And your family may not be able to be there to support you and give you what you need. And a raise isn't going to satisfy your every need. And a new relationship is going to do nothing for you. But I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength. Like when I face hardship for the sake of Jesus, he will give me strength to endure. When I face difficulties for the sake of Jesus, he will give me the strength to persevere. When I face all sorts of trials, he will give me strength to get through them. When I face persecution for Jesus' sake, I can stand firm in who Jesus is because he will give me the strength. I can do all things that he has asked me to do. In Jesus' name, because he will give me the strength. Do you have that confidence this morning? Paul was confident that no matter what the circumstance looked like, Jesus would give him the strength to endure it. If God has called you to something, he will give you the strength to complete that work. If God has called you to go somewhere, he will give you the strength to complete the assignment. What this verse promises is that you and I can do everything. Not everything that we want to do, but we can do everything that he wants us to do. I mean, how, how can I break a sinful habit? Well, you can do all things through him who gives you strength. How can I tell a neighbor about Jesus? Well, you can do all things through him who will give you the strength to testify of his goodness. How can I tithe when I have all of these bills in front of me? Well, you can do all things through him who gives you strength and to trust that he is going to provide for you. How can I forgive that person who hurt me so badly? Well, you can do all things through him who will give you the strength to forgive. What this verse means is that if things go well for me, the Holy Spirit is going to be there for me. And if things don't go well for me, the Holy Spirit will be there to encourage me. God, he promises to give us the strength to do what he asks us to do. And so what is God asking you to do? 
this morning, some of us, we just need to step out in faith. We just need to trust him. Because I believe that you can do all things that Jesus has asked you to do. And he will give you the strength to do it. This morning, I'm going to ask if the prayer team would come forward. We've learned a lot through the book of Philippians. This book that talks about unexpected joy. Joy in the good times and joy through trials and heartache and pain and suffering. And you can have joy in all of these things if you would rejoice in the Lord. If you would stand firm in the Lord. If you would stay and remain in the Lord. And if you do that, joy will come at illogical times. When I was a teenager, that long, long, long time ago, um, I was in the ninth or 10th grade, and we ha- I had this amazing youth leader. Taught me about worship. Taught me how to worship. He was uh, the first cool Christian that I'd ever met. And he loved the Lord fiercely. And uh, when he was younger, he had this blood transfusion with tainted blood. And he had HIV. But he had this joy on his face. He never let his circumstance dictate what he was going to do for Jesus. He was a missionary to Toronto from Costa Rica, believe it or not. And uh, the medical bills were getting high and they, they sent him back home and he passed away. And it was a tough time. Everything in us wanted to be angry. Angry at God. God, why would you allow this to happen? God, why did you do this? And the youth group got together. And there was only one thing we could do. And it was praise the Lord. And in the midst of sorrow and grief, the Lord poured down this joy unspeakable. His joy unspeakable and full of glory and gave us this illogical peace that surpasses all understanding. And some of you have never experienced that peace. Some of you are longing for this peace. Some of you are looking in all the wrong places for this kind of peace in your life. You're looking at your job as though money is going to get it for you. 
and you're looking at a new relationship as though a person is going to get it for you. You're looking for it in entertainment as if that can sustain something in your life. I want to tell you this morning, if that's you, you need to know the Prince of Peace. With your eyes closed and, and your head, heads bowed this morning. Maybe you've never known this peace from Jesus because you haven't asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've never asked him into your life. And if that's you today and you want to know this Jesus who is ready to give you his peace and forgive you of your sins and your wrongdoings, then I'm just going to ask that you say this prayer in your heart this morning. And just say, Jesus, I give you my life. And I know that I am a sinner. Forgive me. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you paid for my sins. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you rose from the dead. And right now I turn away from my sin. I leave my past behind. I turn to you, Jesus, as my Savior, as my friend, as my Lord. Just with your eyes closed right now, I'm going to ask those people here this morning who are dealing with some nightmares and some of you with some terrible anxiety, some of you with negativity and just all of these negative thoughts that, that are bombarding you, just right now, would you just raise your hand all over this room right now? Yep. Lord Jesus, we just come before you right now. Prince of peace, we come before you right now. Would you pour out your peace on these people who are dealing with anxiety and depression and especially those with all of these negative thoughts and those who are unable to sleep because of these nightmares that are going on in their lives. In the name of Jesus, we come against every power of darkness that might be working against them in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come into their lives in such great abundance that they'll be able to stand firm on who you are. And Lord Jesus, as we've just gone through this entire book, God, we thank you for your goodness for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. And Lord Jesus, help us to reflect that church at Philippi. Help us to reflect the church that Paul was looking for. Help us to reflect that church that you are looking for. Help us to be a people who would be known for their joy. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning?